5. The witness, in answer to the lawyer's question, said, Them ain't the boots what was stole. The judge rebuked the witness sternly, Speak grammatic. Young man, speak grammatic. You shouldn't ought to say, Them boots what was stole. You should ought to say, Them boots as was stealed. Grasp the auctioneer, offering the pasture lot for sale, waved his hand enthusiastically, plonked toward the rich expanse of herbage, and shouted, Now, then, how much am I offered for this field? Just look at that grass, gentlemen, that's exactly the sort of grass Nebuchadnezzar would have given $200 an acre for. Greed an eminent doctor successfully attended a sick child. A few days later, the grateful mother called on the physician. After expressing her realization of the fact that his services had been of a sort that could not be fully paid for, she continued, But I hope you will accept as a token from me this purse which I myself had embroidered. The physician replied very coldly to the effect that the fees of the physician must be paid in money, not merely in gratitude. And he added, Presents maintain friendship, they do not maintain a family. What is your fee? The woman inquired. Two hundred dollars, was the answer. The woman opened the purse and took from it five one hundred bills. She put back three, handed two to the discomfited physician, then took her departure. Grief at the wake. The bereaved husband displayed all the evidences of frantic grief. He cried aloud heart-rendingly, and tore his hair. The other mourners had to restrain him from leaping into the open coffin. The next day, a friend who had been at the wake encountered the widower on the street and spoke sympathetically of the great woe displayed by the man. Did you go to the cemetery for the burying? The stricken husband inquired anxiously, and when he was answered in the negative, continued proudly, It's a pity you weren't there. Ye ought to have seen the way I cut up. The old woman in indigent circumstances was explaining to a visitor, who found her at breakfast, a long category of trials and tribulations, and, she concluded, this very morning, I woke up at four o'clock, and cried and cried till breakfast time and as soon as I finish my tea I'll begin again, and probably keep it up all day. Habit it was the bridegroom's third matrimonial undertaking, and the bride's second, when the clergyman on whom they had called for the ceremony entered the parlor. He found the couple comfortably seated. They made no effort to arise. So, as he opened the book to begin the service, he directed them, Please, stand up. The bridegroom looked at the bride, and the bride stared back at him and then both regarded the clergyman, while the man voiced their decision in a tone that was quite polite, but very firm, we have generally sought, it is a matter of common knowledge that there have been troublous times in Ireland before those of the present, in the days of the Land League, an Irish judge told as true of an experience while he was holding court in one of the turbulent sections, when the jury entered the courtroom at the beginning of the session, the bailiff directed them to take their accustomed places, and every man of them walked forward into the dock. Here the schoolgirl from Abbotway who had just learned that the notorious Gorgon sisters had snakes for hair, chewed her gum thoughtfully as she commented, tough luck to have to get out and grab a mess of snakes any time you want an extra puff. Hard to please the rather ferocious appearing husband who had taken his wife to the beach for a holiday scowled heavily at an amateur photographer, and rumbled in a threatening bass voice, what the blazes do you mean? Photographin' my wife? I saw you when ye done it, the man addressed cringed, and replied placatingly, you're mistaken, really, I wouldn't think of doing such a thing, you wouldn't, eh, the surly husband growled, still more savagely, and why not, I'd like to know, she's the handsomest woman on the beach, haste the colored man was condemned to be hanged, 
and was awaiting the time set for execution in a Mississippi jail. Since all other efforts had failed him, he addressed a letter to the governor, with a plea for executive clemency. The opening paragraph left no doubt as to his urgent need, Dear boss, the white folks has got me in these jail fixin' to hang me on Friday morning and here it is Wednesday already. Here say the convicted feudist was working for a pardon. It was reported to him that the opposing clan was pulling wires against him, and spreading false reports concerning him. He thereupon wrote a brief missive to the governor, Dear governor, if you've heard what it heard you've heard you've heard a lie. Heaven the clergyman in the following story probably did not mean exactly what he said, though, human nature being what it island maybe it was true enough. A parishioner meeting the parson in the street inquired, when do you expect to see Deacon Jones again? Never, never again, the minister declared solemnly, the deacon is in heaven. Help the farmer found his new hired man very unsatisfactory. A neighbor who chanced along inquired, how's that new hand o' yearn? Cuss the critter, was the bitter reply. He aimed a hand he's a sore thumb. A savage old boar got into a garden, and was doing much damage, when two men tried to drive it out. The animal charged, one of the two climbed a tree, the other dodged, and laid hold on the boar's tail. He hung on desperately, and man and beast raced wildly round and round the tree. Finally, the man shouted between gasps, for heaven's sake, Bill, climb down here, and help me lego this ornery old hog. Helpfulness many a mayor is a friend to the people just like his honor in the following story. A taxpayer entered the office of the water registrar in a small city, and explained himself and his business there as follows, My name is O'Rifferty, and my cellar is full of water, and my hens will all be drowned entirely if it ain't fixed, and I'm here to inform you that I'm one in it fixed. It was explained to the complainant that the remedy for his need must be sought at the office of the mayor, and he therefore departed to interview that official. After an interval of a few days, O'Rifferty made a second visit to the office of the registrar. Sure, and I've come again to tell yous that my cellar is now fuller of water than ever it was before, and I'm telling yous that I want it fixed, and I'm a man that carries votes in my pocket. The registrar again explained that he was powerless in the matter, and that the only recourse must be to the mayor. The mayor's UT, O'Rifferty snorted. Sure and didn't I see the mayor? I did not. And what did the mayor say to me? Oh, he said, Mr. O'Rifferty, why don't you keep ducks? And the customer asked for fresh eggs, and the clerk in the London shop said, them are fresh which has a hen on em, but I don't see any hen, the clerk explained patiently, not the fowl, mum, but the letter hen, hen stands for new laid, hereafter this is the dialogue between a little girl and a little boy, what are you bawling about, Jimmy, I'm crying because Ma has wended to heaven, that's silly, maybe she ain't. Little Alice questioned her mother concerning heaven, and seemed pleased to be assured that she would have wings and harp and crown, and candy, too. Mama, the mother shook her head. Anyhow, Alice declared, I'm tickled we have such a fine doctor. Heredity the woman, who had a turn-up nose and was somewhat self-conscious concerning it, bought a new pug dog, and petted it so fondly as to excite the jealousy of her little daughter. How do you like your new little brother? She asked the child teasingly. The girl replied, rather maliciously. Perhaps, he looks just like his mother. High prices two men were talking together in the public library. One of them said, the dime novel has gone. I wonder where it's gone to. The other, who knew something of literature in its various phases, answered cynically, it's gone up to a dollar and ninety cents. Hindsight Mike, the hog carrier.
was still somewhat fuddled when he arose Monday morning, with the result that he put on his overalls wrong side too, with the further result, that he was careless while mounting the ladder later with a load of bricks, and fell to the ground, as he raised himself into a sitting position, a fellow workman asked solicitously, are you skilled in toily, Mike, Mike, with drooping head, stared down dully at the seat of his overalls, and shook his head, Mumber, he declared in a tone of awe, I'm not killed, but I'm terrible twisted, a rustic visitor to the city made a desperate run for the ferry boat as it was leaving the slip, he made a mighty leap, and covered the intervening space, then fell sprawling to the deck, where he lay stunned for about two minutes, at last he sat up feebly, and stared dazedly over the wide expanse of water between boat and shore, holy hop toads, he exclaimed in a tone of profound awe, what a jump, Hinting a Kansas editor hit on the following gentle device for dunning delinquent subscribers to the paper, there I a little matter that Omey of our abcribber had seemingly forgotten entirely. Omey of them have made you many pronee but have not kept them. To you I a very important matter it necessary in our bushels me. We are very moti and don't like to peek about Ukrimi Northeast. History the faculty were arranging the order of examinations. It was agreed that the harder subjects should be placed first in the list. It was proposed that history should have the final place. The woman teacher of that subject protested, but it is certainly one of the easiest subjects. The head of the faculty declared. The young woman shook her head, and spoke firmly, not the way I teach it. Indeed, according to my method, it is a very difficult study, and most perplexing. Down in Virginia, near Yorktown, lived an aged Negro whose proud boast was that he had been the body servant of George Washington, as he was very old indeed. No one could disprove his claims, and he made the most of his historical pretentions. He was full of anecdotes concerning the father of his country, and exploited himself in every tale. His favorite narrative was of the capture of Lord Cornwallis by his master, which was as follows, Yasha, it were right on these year road, just over dar by de folks, Jin Washington, he knowed dat o lay Cornwallis, he gwine past these way, and him and me, we done here behind the bushes and watched. Yasha, and when Ole Cornwall lives, he come by, Jin Washington, he jumped out at him, and he grabbed him by the collar, and he say, yo blame Ole rascal, dad to time what I done gone kachi. Hogs the professor and his wife were doubtful about returning to the farm on which they had passed the previous summer, because they had been somewhat annoyed by the proximity of the pigsty to the house. Finally, the professor wrote to the farmer and explained the objectionable feature. He received the following reply, We ain't had no hogs on the place since you was here last summer. Be sure to come. Holding his own the farmer, after seven years of effort on the stony farm, announced to all and sundry, Anyhow, I'm holding my own. I hadn't nothing when I come here, and I haven't nothing now. Homebrew the young man had offered his heart and hand to the fair damsel. Before giving you my decision, she said sweetly, I wish to ask you a question. Then, as he nodded assent, do you drink anything? The young man replied without an instant of hesitation and proudly, anything. And she fell into his arms. Homesickness One of our volunteers in the late war lost some of his first enthusiasm under the bitter experience of campaigning. One night at the front in France, while his company was stationed in a wood, a lieutenant discovered the recruit sitting on a log and weeping bitterly. The officer spoke roughly, now, what are you bawling about, you big baby? I wish I was in my daddy's barn, replied the soldier in a plaintive voice. In your daddy's barn, 
the astonished lieutenant exclaimed, What for? What would you do if you were in your daddy's barn? If I was in my daddy's barn, the youth explained huskily through a choking sob, I'd go into the house mighty quick. Honeymoon the newly married pair were stopping in a hotel. The bride left the groom in their room while she went out on a brief shopping expedition. She returned in due time, and passed along the hotel corridor to the door, on which she tapped daintily. I'm back. Honey let me in, she murmured with wishful tenderness. But there was no answer vouchsafed to her plea. She knocked a little more firmly, and raised her voice somewhat to call again. Honey, honey it's Susie. Let me in. Thereupon a very cold masculine voice sounded through the door, Madam, this is not a beehive, it's a bathroom. Honorable intentions a certain man notorious for his slowness paid attention for two years to a young lady. Without coming to the point, the girl's father thought it time for him to interfere. On the Swain's next visit, the father interviewed him, Clinton, you've been setting up with Nellie, and talking her to picnics, and do church and buggy riding, and nothing's come of it. So, now. Clinton, I ask you, as man to man, what be your intentions? And Clinton responded in abashed, well, answering you as man to man, I'll say there ain't no cause for you to ruffle your shirt. My intentions is honorable but remote. Hospital little Mary, who had fallen ill, begged for a kid. It was found that an operation was necessary for the child's cure, and that she must go to the hospital. The mother promised that if she would be very brave during this time of trial she should have the very finest kid to be found. As Mary was coming out from the influence of the anesthetic, the nurse heard her muttering, and stooping, heard these words, it's a bum way to get a cat. Hospitality the good wife apologized to her unexpected guests for serving the apple pie without cheese. The little boy of the family slipped quietly away from the table for a moment, and returned with a cube of cheese, which he laid on the guest's plate. The visitor smiled in recognition of the lad's thoughtfulness, popped the cheese into his mouth, and then remarked, You must have sharper eyes than your mother. Sonny, where did you find it? The boy replied with a flush of pride, in the rat trap. Humbug two boys once thought to play a trick on Charles Darwin. They took the body of a centipede, the wings of a butterfly, the legs of a grasshopper and the head of a beetle, and glued these together to form a weird monster, with the composite creature in a box. They visited Darwin. Please, sir, will you tell us what sort of a bug this is? The spokesman asked. The naturalist gave a short glance at the exhibit and a long glance at the boys. Did it hum? He inquired solemnly. The boys replied enthusiastically, in one voice, Oh, yes, sir. Well, then, Darwin declared, it is a humbug. Humidity the little boy had been warned repeatedly against playing on the lawn when it was damp. Saturday evening, his father heard him recite a scripture verse learned for the Sunday school. Put off thy shoes from thy feet. For the ground whereon thou standest is, he halted at a loss. Is what? My boy? Asked the father. Is damp. Humility the slow sweeter asked, Elizabeth, would you like to have a puppy? Oh, Edward, the girl gushed, how delightfully humble of you. Yes, dearest, I accept. Hunger, that woman never turns away a hungry man. Ah, genuinely charitable, hardly that, she says. Are you so hungry you want to saw some wood for a dinner? And the answer island member, hunting an amateur sportsman spent the day with dog and gun, but brought home no game. A friend twitted him with his failure, didn't you shoot anything at all? The honest fellow nodded miserably. I shot my dog. Why? His questioner demanded. Was he mad? The sportsman shook his head doubtfully. 
not exactly mad, he asserted, and not so darn tickled neither. Identity the paying teller told mournfully of his experience with a strange woman who appeared at his wicket to have a check cashed. But, madam, he advised her, you will have to get someone to introduce you before I can pay you the money on this check. The woman stared at him disdainfully. Sir, she said haughtily, I wish you to understand that I am here strictly on business. I am not making a social call. I do not care to know you. Idioms the foreigner, who prided himself on his mastery of colloquial expressions in English, was speaking of the serious illness of a distinguished statesman. It would be a great pity, he declared, if such a splendid man should kick the ghost. The old man told how his brother made a hazardous descent into a well by standing in the bucket while those above operated the windlass. And what happened? One of the listeners asked as the aged narrator paused. The old man stroked his beard, and spoke softly, in a tone of sorrowing reminiscence, he kicked the bucket. Illustration Pat was set to a work with the circular saw during his first day at the sawmill. The foreman gave careful instructions how to guard against injury, but no sooner was his back turned than he heard a howl from the novice, and, on turning, he saw that Pat had already lost a finger. Now, how did that happen? The foreman demanded. Sure, was the explanation. I was just doing like this when, Bajabers, there's another gone. Impatience and acquaintance encountered in the village inquired of Farmer Jones concerning his wife, who was seriously ill, that worthy scowled and spat, and finally answered in a tone of fretful dejection, seems like Elmiri's full and dreadful slow. Dinged if I don't wish as how she'd get well, or something. Impudence the ice on the river was in perfect condition. A small boy, with his skates on his arm knocked at the door of the Civil War veteran, who had lost a leg at Antietam, when the door was opened by the old man, the boy asked, are you going out today, sir, well, no, I guess not, Sonny, was the answer, why, if you ain't, the boy suggested, I thought I might like to borrow your wooden leg to play hockey, in direction the bashful sweeter finally nerved himself to the supreme effort, E.R. Jenny, do you think E.R. your mother might E.R. seriously consider E.R. becoming my E.R. mother-in-law? Inheritance a lawyer made his way to the edge of the excavation where a gang was working, and called the name of Timothy Odell, who's wanting me, inquired a heavy voice. Mr. Odell, the lawyer asked, did you come from Castlebar, County Mayo? I did that, and your mother was named Bridget and your father Michael? They was, it is my duty, then, said the lawyer, to inform you. Mr. Odell, that your Aunt Mary has died in Iowa, leaving you an estate of $60,000. There was a short silence below, and then a lively commotion. Are you coming, Mr. Odell? The lawyer called down. In one minute, was bellowed in answer. I've just stopped to elect the foreman. It required just six months of extremely riotous living for Odell to expend all of the $60,000. His chief endeavor was to satisfy a huge inherited thirst. Then he went back to his job. And there, presently, the lawyer sought him out again. It's your Uncle Patrick. This time, Mr. Odell, the lawyer explained, he has died in Texas, and left you $40,000. Odell leaned heavily on his pick, and shook his head in great weariness. I don't think I can take it, he declared. I'm not as strong as I once was, and I misdoubt me that I could go through all that money and live. In a London theater, a tragedy was being played. The aged king tottered to and fro on the stage as he declaimed, on which one of my two sons shall I bestow the crown? A voice came down from the gallery, I say, Governor, might it arf a crown apiece, 
said one Tommy to another, that's a snorting pipe. Bill, where did you happen on it? It was personal property of a Boshua tried to take me prisoner, was the answer. Inherited it from him. Initiative the sweet little girl had a violent tussle with her particular chum. Her mother reprimanded her, and concluded by saying, it was Satan who suggested to you the pulling of Jenny's hair. I shouldn't be surprised, the child replied musingly. But, she added proudly, kicking her in the shins was entirely my own idea. In justice the child sat by the road bawling loudly. A passerby asked him what was the matter. My ma, she's gone and drowned the kittens. The boy wailed. Oh, isn't that too bad? Was the sympathetic response. The child bawled the louder. And ma she promised me that I could drown em. Innocence a little girl four years old was alone in the nursery with the door closed and fastened when her little brother arrived and expressed a desire to come in. The following was the dialogue, I wants to tum in sissy, but you tan tum in tom, but I wants to. Well, I see in my nighttie gown and nurse says little boys muse single quote and single quote to see little girls in their nighttie gowns. There was a period of silence during which the astonished little boy reflected on the mystery. It was ended by sissy's calling out, you tan come in now. Tom I took it off. The very young clergyman made his first parochial call. He tried to admire the baby, and asked how old it was. Just ten weeks old, the proud mother replied. And the very young clergyman inquired interestedly, and is it your youngest? Inquisitiveness in the smoking car. One of the passengers had an empty coat sleeve. The sharer of his seat was of an inquisitive turn, and after a vain effort to restrain his curiosity, finally hemmed and hawed and said, I beg pardon, sir, but I see you've lost an arm. The one-armed man picked up the empty sleeve in his remaining hand, and felt of it with every evidence of astonishment. Bless my soul, he exclaimed, I do believe you're right. The curiosity of the passenger was excited by the fact that his seatmate had his right arm in a sling, and the following dialogue occurred, you broke your arm, didn't you? Well, yes, I did, had an accident, I suppose. Not exactly. I did it in trying to pat myself on the back. My land. On the back. Now. Whatever did you want to pat yourself on the back for? Just for minding my own business. Insomnia the man suffering from insomnia quite often makes a mistake in calling the doctor. When what he needs is the preacher. Insult the young wife greeted her husband tearfully on his return from the day's work. Oh. Willie. Darling. She gasped. I have been so insulted. Insulted. Willie exclaimed wrathfully, insulted by whom? By your mother, the wife declared, and sobbed aloud. The husband was aghast, but inclined to be skeptical. By my mother, Ella, why, dearest, that's nonsense. She's a hundred miles away, but she did, the wife insisted. A letter came to you this morning, and it was addressed in your mother's writing. So, of course, I opened it. Oh, yes, of course, Willie agreed without any enthusiasm, and it was written to you all the whole way through, every word of it, except, except what, except the postscript, the wife flared, that was the insult that was to me, the tears flowed again, it said, P.S. Dearella, don't fail to give this letter to a Willie, I want him to read it, Tom Corrin was remarkable for the size of his mouth, he claimed that he had been insulted by a deacon of his church, when I stood up in the class meeting, to relate my experience, Corinne explained, and opened my mouth. The deacon rose up in front and said, Will some brother please close that window, and keep it closed? Insurance the woman at the insurance office inquired as to the costs. Amounts paid, 
etc., so, she concluded, if I pay five dollars, you pay me a thousand if my house burns down, but do you ask questions about how the fire came to start, we make careful investigation, of course, the agent replied, the woman flounced toward the door disgustedly, just as I thought, she called over her shoulder, I knew there was a catch in it, intermission during a lecture, Artemis Ward once startled the crowd of listeners by announcing a 15-minute intermission. After contemplating the audience for a few minutes, he relieved their bewilderment by saying, Meanwhile, in order to pass the time, we will proceed with the lecture. Inventors the profiteer, skimming over the advertisements in his morning paper, looked across the damask and silver and cut glass at his wife, and remarked enviously, These inventors make the money. Take cleaners. Now. I'll bet that feller vacuum has cleared millions. Items the painter was required to render an itemized bill for his repairs on various pictures in a convent. The statement was as follows, corrected and renewed the Ten Commandments 6.00 embellished Pontius Pilate and put a new ribbon on his bonnet 3.06 put a new tail on the rooster of St. Peter and mended his bill 4.08 put a new nose on St. John the Baptist and straightened. His I 2.06 replumbed and gilded the left wing of the guardian angel 5.06 washed the servant of the high priest and put Carmen on his cheeks 2.04 renewed heaven, adjusted 10 stars, gilded the sun and cleaned the moon 8.02 reanimated the flames of purgatory and restored some souls 3.06 revived the flames of hell, put a new tail on the devil. Mended his left hoof and did several odd jobs for the dam 4.10 put new spattered ashes on the son of Tobias and dressing on his sack 2.00 rebordered the robe of Herod and readjusted his wig 3.07 cleaned the ears of Balaam's ass and shot him 2.08 put earrings in the ears of Sarah 5.00 put a new stone in David's sling enlarged Goliath's hand and extended his legs 2.00 decorated Noah's Ark 1.20 mended the shirt of the prodigal son and clean the pigs 1.00 jokes the joke makers association had a feast they exploited their humorous abilities and all made merry save one glum guest at last they insisted that this melancholy person should contribute to the entertainment he consented in response to much urging to offer a conundrum what is the difference between me and a turkey when none could guess the answer the glum individual explained i am alive they stuff turkeys with chestnuts after they are dead. Kinship the urchin was highly excited, and while he might be when we consider his explanation, they got twins of two sisters. One twin, he's a boy, and one twin, she's a girl, and so I'm uncle and a aunt. The southern lady interrogated her colored cook, Matilda, concerning a raid made on the chicken house during the night. You sleep right close to the chicken house, Matilda and it seems to me you must have heard the noise when those thieves were stealing the chickens. Yes, ma'am, Matilda admitted, with an expression of grief on her dusky features. I heard the chickens holler, and I heard the voices of the men. Then why didn't you go out and stop them? The mistress demanded. Matilda wept. Case, ma'am, she exclaimed. I knowed my old fatter was dark, and I wouldn't have him know I see lost confidence in him for all the chickens in the world. If I had gone out dar and caught him, it would have broke his ole heart, and, besides, he would have made me tote the chickens home for him. Kisses the bridegroom, who was in a horribly nervous condition, appealed to the clergyman in a loud whisper, at the close of the ceremony, is it kissed over to kiss the bride? The clergyman might have replied, not yet, but soon, the young man addressed the old grouch, 
when a fellow has taken a girl to a show, and fed her candy, and given her supper, and taken her home in a taxi, shouldn't she let a fellow kiss her good night? The old grouch snorted. Humph! He's already done more than enough for her. Kissing the subject of kissing was debated with much earnestness for a half hour between the girl and her young man caller. The fellow insisted that it was always possible for a man to kiss a girl at will, whether she chose to permit it or not. The maiden was firm in maintaining that such was not the case. Finally, it was decided that the only solution of the question must be by a practical demonstration one way or the other. So, they tried it, they clinched, and the battle was on. After a lively tussle, they broke away. The girl had been kissed ardently for a period of minutes. Her comment showed in a daunted spirit. Oh, well, you really didn't win fair. My foot slipped. Let's try it again. The tiny boy fell down and bumped his head. His Uncle Bill picked the child up, with the remark, Now I'll kiss it, and the pain will all be gone. The youngster wrecked.